This is a most interesting question. What are the top five skills I need to learn and develop to serve Hashem? What are the top five skills I need to learn and develop to serve Hashem? I, I feel so humbled by the question. I, I'm not qualified. What are the five most important things in Yiddishkeit? I don't know. And who says there are five? Maybe there are six. <laughs> Maybe there are four. Right, the Gemara says there's 613 mitzvahs. David makes them into 11. Yeshaya makes them into seven. And Micha makes them into three. And Habakkuk makes them into one. So it's, uh, we have 630 mitzvahs that go into broad categories and then narrow categories and until it comes down to one, Vitzali Bemenasa Yechia. So this person is saying, I'm going with the number five, whatever reason. Can you tell me the five most important things that I need to learn and develop in order to be a Jew? So I wrote a list. I wrote a list. Is this list true? It's not true. Um, I'll tell you how this works. People ask me questions I don't always answer right away. I often let the question sit. It's not only because I have too many questions to answer, but because sometimes when you have a question and you let it sit, the marination process flushes out the answer a little bit better. So I'm going to say five words and I'm going to talk about them, okay? Emuno, Simcha, Kabbalah Seilin Yiddish Shamayim, Tshuva, and Ion. Number one is Emuno, number two is Joy, number three is Kabbalah Seil Yiddish Shamayim, Bittel, number four is Tshuva, and number five is Ion. That's my list. Um, is this list complete? No. Is this list comprehensive? No. Is this list true? Probably not. But it's a list. Or at least it's enough of a list to get other people to say, well, I disagree, which can then open up a conversation which can get us a little closer to the truth, as is the nature of people who debate. Number one, faith. The beginning of being a Jew is faith. And faith is not easy. Because faith, in contrast to other things, you don't learn and master. Every day you have to master it again. Every day you need to develop a positive sense of the presence of Hashem in your life for no reason other than that He's there. I'm not asking for anything. I'm not offering anything. The foundation of my life is this relationship. Just like when you have a very special relationship with another person. You're aware of that person. You remember that person. When you have a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Ebishter is ever present in your mind and in your consciousness and in your heart. And this is Amun. And of course, part of that is believing that not only he is there, but that he is involved and that his place in my life is positive. Al-Tanabi says in Tanya, Amunah, by the way, simply means a relationship with God that bypasses the mind. That's how I interpret it. Amunah means a connection to God which is not based on intellect, it's based on my soul. And in Tanya it's added that Amunah, the word Umnas, means a person is proficient, they're good at it. When a person is good at faith, we call that Amunah. In Tanya chapter 42, the Al-Tanabi says Amunah is not an Umnas, vocation being a professional at it. So Amunah is a process which begins when we're very small, perhaps even before we're born, and certainly before we could speak and learn and reason, which is to develop a, an ever-present sense of Hashem in our lives. He's here, he's involved, and I'm involved with him. In the best of moments, he's present. And in the most difficult of moments, he's present. And all the moments in between, the boring moments, Abish is Alam al-Faran. I always think of the Gemara that Rashi brings. 
But when Yosef HaTzadik went to greet his father, having not seen him for 22 years, so Yosef hugs and kisses Yankov Avinu, and Yankov doesn't respond. Says Rashi, why did Yankov Avinu respond? And, and for the Rashi, that Yankov Avinu was saying Krishna. And it dawned on me that what Yankov Avinu was saying is, Eibisht is giving me now the happiest moment of my life. The happiest moment of my life. And what am I doing at that happy moment? I'm acknowledging HaKadosh Baruch Hu, rather than celebrating the happy moment. You don't forget the Kaddish Baruch even such exciting moments. There's a famous story with the previous Rebbe that he was once sitting in his office and muttering and moving his legs and they were afraid that something was wrong and the Rebbe ran in and the Rebbe said everything is fine and later on the previous Rebbe explained that at that moment there was a group of Lubavitcher Chassidim crossing the border from the Soviet Union in 46 into Poland. And the Rebbe said, I was afraid that in their excitement they would forget to thank Hashem so I was thanking Hashem for them. The Friedrich Rebbe, the way the story goes, was shuffling his feet to connote that he's walking across the border. And he was Pashat saying, He was saying, Praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. At the most optimal moments in our lives, you have to remember him. And of course, at the most severe moments in our lives, you have to remember him. All the moments in between, this is faith. A, a connection, a basic relationship with Hashem. Doesn't mean he's always good, doesn't mean he's always bad, doesn't mean he always like what he's doing. Those are other things, like Betochen. And Muna is that Hashem is present in my life all the time. This is number one. And number two, joy. The foundation of any healthy living is optimism and positivity. And in Yiddishkeit, it's Ivdu Hashem Besimcha. Like the Rambam writes at the end of the laws of Lulav, that serving Hashem with joy is It's a great service. Which means two things. Number one, it's very important. And number two, it's very difficult. And the Rambam says that a Jew has to always have joy. But the Rambam limits joy to what's called Simcha Shal Mitzvah, the joy of doing a mitzvah, joy of serving Hashem. The Rebbe, our Rebbe, in Hesiches, and he bases it on the Ramah, on the end of Erechayim, that says, Tev Lev Mishtetomit, adds another dimension, that there's something called Simcha B'Taharasa. I'm not only joyous when I'm doing mitzvahs, I'm joyous when I'm breathing air. Every second, Kehla Neshama Talkoha, Lukomit, have to be joyous. This joyous on a psychological level is a positivity, it's an optimism that helps a person get through life. And spiritually, it's a sense of, a, of the presence of Hashem and that it's good. That's why it says in Hasidus that along with joy is always humility. A person who's truly happy is able to be humble. Because if you're very busy with yourself, you're always disappointed. You're never happy. And the joy is either the cause for the humility or the symptom of the humility, but the trademark of a Jew is simcha. And this simcha gives us koyach to fight with the Yetzir Hara, like it says in Tanya chapter 40, 26. That they must not them hell, that the best way to serve Hashem is to be very controlled, almost depressed, earnest, with a certain touch of heaviness. And the Baal Shem to disagreed categorically, and he held that the basis for motivation for serving Hashem is the freedom that comes from joy. Not the freedom to do whatever I want, but the strength to do whatever I need to, that comes from joy. And that's the second uh, idea that I wrote on my list. And the third is Kabbalah Selen Bittl, Yiras Hashem. Which means very simple. I don't practice Judaism because I want to. I don't practice Judaism when I'm in the mood. I don't practice Judaism because I agree with it. I don't practice Judaism because it makes me feel good. I practice Judaism because he told me. And Batel, We put aside our will for the will of HaKadosh Baruch. And this is a very deep and serious component in serving Hashem. The ability to not only do what we do 
A, because we enjoy it, or when we enjoy it, or how we enjoy it, but whenever we need to do it, we do it because he said. And Bittl and Yiddish Shamayim, which are two different things, but they're very closely, closely, closely connected, really says that I allow Hashem's choices to take precedence over my own. I want to do one thing. He wants me to do something else. And I'm doing what he said, not what I said, but not because of a logical reason, not because I philosophically worked it out, but because I'm able to submit, I'm able to sacrifice my will for his will. And according to Hasidus, the koyach, to do this comes from a very deep place in the neshama, but Ayid is a Kabbalah the Jew has the ability to put the will of God ahead of himself every time. And even when he's not in the mood, he does what Hashem says. Bittal and Kabbalah And number four is tshuva. Tshuva means a lot of things, but tshuva means to return to Hashem. On the highest level, tshuva means that the end of Judaism, the highest level of being a Yid, and the Ramam talks about this as well. He doesn't use the word tshuva, he uses the word Yidiyas Hashem. And the end of Ramam and Hechaz Malachim and in other places. The end of Judaism is intimacy with God. The end, the highest level of being a Yid, is to be one with Hashem, to understand Hashem to the maximum capacity of man. And that's what tshuva means. Tshuva means to return to God. Tshuva means to have the kind of relationship with Hashem where the end of my endeavor, the end of my work, the end of my worship is that I'm one with Him, that I become as close to Him as possible. And that's called tshuva. Dr. Rebbe says in Tanya chapter 31 from the Gemara, every minute I'm doing tshuva because I'm not just doing mitzvahs to meet obligations or to get certain reward, I'm doing tshuva, doing mitzvahs to connect to HaKadosh Baruch. That's tshuva. But that's tshuva on a very high level. Tshuva on a very low level is to be aware that we could correct our wrongs. And I think that in addition to tshuva meaning that we have, the, have to have the awareness that we can always correct our wrongs, is that we should never say I can't. Never say I quit. Never say that I'm out of the loop. A person should always do tshuva. Sometimes a person behaves very incorrectly, very wrongly, very immorally, very evilly even. And they feel so little of themselves that they say, eh, I might as well be a sinner because I'm out of the department anyway. I'm out of the movement. I'm out of the group. I'm out of the family. I'm out of the nation. Anyway. And Tata says no such thing. You can always come back and you should always come back. And I believe this is a very core component of Judaism in the language of the 21st century. Never quit. Never quit. We learn Torah, we daven, we go to shul, we do mitzvahs, we make mistakes, we fail. Chas to say, ah, I can't do it well, I won't do it at all. You need to perpetually do it. And come back and come back and come back, even if it's a hundred times. Like it says in Tanya, Yerzat Chapter 11, Hashem is not a human being who after forgiving you four or five times gets nervous and angry and frustrated and apathetic. He'll forgive you a thousand times. He'll wipe away your sin a thousand times. You keep coming back. And that's tshuva. And I think it's one of the core components of being a Jew to never quit. And the last is to, is to examine critically. Even means to examine critically. Obviously this has to do with learning. But it also has to do with being precise and doing mitzvahs. I think to be a Jew properly and comprehensively, like it says in the Chazal, if you want to be a chassid, you can't be ignorant. You can't be Jewish by emotion. You can't be Jewish by imitating other people. 
properly. And you can't be Jewish by generalizations. You need to examine everything very carefully, very precisely, so that when you learn, you don't just understand, but you examine and you see the subtlety and the nuance which gives you a much deeper understanding, like people who study Arashi correctly, or a Tesfiz correctly, or a Gemara correctly, and a Pasuk and Chumash correctly. Iyun, you examine. And part of Iyun is the ability to go back again and again. Not to say, I got it, then don't bother me. To examine it one more time, and one more time, and one more time. And each time you examine it, you see a little more nuance. And it's hard to do that because you want to feel like you did it already. You want to feel like you know it already. And then you end up with a simplistic version of it. And that's why I put on this short list the idea of being very precise, examination. Examination of the title that you learn and examination of the life that we live as Jews. Like it says in the Maimed HaChochom, which the previous Rebbe quotes, Ehuv, it's an Hayyem Yem, Ehuv es habikoides, kihu yamiden al keren nochen, I think Lashen is, something nochen. You should love constructive criticism. Constructive criticism has to do with honest self-examination, iyun. And being able to look at ourselves and say, I'm, I'm not bad, but I could be better. And to examine critically who we are and to improve it. So I'm including in Eon the idea that in, we, in our learning, we should be very precise and uh, never feel like it's a waste of time to visit something again. Because each time, if we're patient and deliberate and humble and attentive, you find more. This is especially true in learning halacha, practical law, that you have to examine it very critically. And it's so true in the examinations of ourselves. And like it says in the Sfarim, which are brought get to the Yom Neiroyim, the more critically we examine ourselves, the less critically Debishta examines us. Mm-hmm.